Almost three years since the Royal Commission into Aged Care Quality and Safety handed down its final report, elderly and disabled people in Australia are continuing to face abuse and neglect. Every month in Australia, more than 1,000 reports of neglect are made in aged care settings. The Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission has raised concerns over a recent spike in reports of neglect in the past uh, 12 months or so, as the federal government extends the public consultation period on the draft new Aged Care Act. Janet Anderson is the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commissioner. Commissioner, welcome to you. These rates of neglect have been rising for the past 12 months. What's driving them? What's driving this increase in reports? Well, hi, Andy. Look, there are a, a number of factors in play. Uh, the the scheme under which notifications are submitted to the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission is still relatively new. It hasn't been in place for um, decades. And we have evidence to suggest that some providers are still familiarising themselves with their obligations to report. So some of the increase, I think, is just providers becoming more aware of their obligations to report. But that is not to uh, underestimate the uh, importance of learning where there have been instances of neglect in an aged care home. You're right to observe that the rate has been increasing, although I would make the point that it is a very slow rise. And just to uh, you know, do the reality check, in, a, in an average size aged care home, say around 80 beds, uh, this rate of reporting on, of neglect actually translates to around four or five incidents of neglect a year. So that's one one every two months or so. So, you know, it, it does put it into some sort of context. It's, it's not that uh, instances of neglect are rife and occurring to a lot of people daily who live in aged care homes. It simply isn't that, um, that frequent in its occurrence. Having said that, though, um, we obviously want to look very closely at these rates and to, uh, to ensure that providers are paying close attention to what they can and should be doing to drive the rates of neglect down. Is there a stereotypical pattern of uh, through these reports about what the neglect looks like? Well, neglect actually covers a, a fairly broad range of uh, circumstances. Let me give you a few examples. It could be that somebody who requires assistance with eating is not given support around mealtimes. It could be that they are not showered or they're not for a couple of days or um, their the oral care needs aren't attended to. It might be that medication they need is late uh, or, or missed. Now, it wouldn't be just a single occurrence, obviously, but if, if it became a serial problem, then uh, it would definitely be something that we would want to understand and that we would want the provider to address. Um, it could be that an individual uh, is experiencing uh, the onset of an illness or the deterioration in their health status, which goes unrecognised by the the care workers, and that would be an incidence of of neglect. Um, Or it could be that um, the general level of clinical oversight being exercised is not sufficient to pick up, for example, unplanned weight loss. Uh, And then that becomes notification if somebody is found to be underweight and it had not been noticed or picked up or addressed at an earlier point. So the thing I would say, though, um, and and it's uh, an important clarifying statement, is that the notifications we receive, which are submitted um, 
to us effectively just after the incident has occurred are put into two categories. And uh, without going into a lot of the detail, there are two priority rankings. Priority one is where there's been a high level of impact on the individual concerned. Priority two is where the impact has been much lower, negligible if any. The 70% of the notifications we receive about neglect fall into that second lower impact category. Now, that's that's to some extent reassuring, I think you'd agree. I still maintain that we need to see these rates go down, but at least we're not getting the vast majority of them having a high impact on an older person in, in aged care. Yeah, I mean, you might accuse me of finding the negatives in these reports, but for family and for these individuals themselves, obviously, uh, whether it's uh, a low level or a high level of neglect is still enormously relevant to them and their welfare. I was curious to read that more than 7,000 reports of unreasonable force use or use of force were made Mm -hmm. in the July to September quarter. 90% of those were, in fact, incidents between residents. Is that unusual? What what systems might be failing to get that figure, 7,000 between July and September? Yeah, look, that's a good pickup. Unreasonable use of force is one of the... Uh, types of notification that uh, that, that uh, providers are required to let us know about. And it's one of the area incidents where we get uh, a high number of notifications or a relatively high number of notifications. And as you point out, the vast majority of these instances are between residents. And what we find when we look into the detail is that typically the individual applying force has some degree of cognitive impairment. And often the person who is the subject of the force, the other resident, is also um, subject to some degree of cognitive impairment. So what we have here typically, not universally, but typically are two individuals who are on a dementia journey, um, that they are some way into uh, their experience of dementia. And because it's an advancing degenerative disease, um, uh, you know, they're moving further into it. Now, what that points out to us is that providers in those circumstances need to be paying much more attention to uh, uh, challenging behaviours, which can accompany cognitive impairment. They're called behavioural and psychological symptoms of dementia, and it might mean that an individual is subdued or depressed or anxious or confused, but they may also be agitated and possibly even aggressive. Now, if they lash out, if a person lashes out because they have no other means of communicating a need or or a preference, then uh, the people delivering care need to understand that behaviour and understand what they need to do to avoid that behaviour affecting other individuals who might be in the local vicinity. Sometimes it's not avoidable, yeah. but sometimes it is. Yeah. Aged Care Commissioner Janet Anderson's here. We're talking about uh, a recent increase in reports of neglect in aged care settings uh, on RN Drive. The uh, question over the provision of staffing and the quality of the skills of that staffing was really a marked uh, feature of the Royal Commission findings. Can you link any of these recent reports to changes or a lack of change in the skills and staffing levels in the aged care setting? Well, I certainly wouldn't be going with lack of change. There have been 
a number of initiatives which have been directed specifically at increasing the availability of the workforce. But Andy, as you and your listeners would know, um, the, the care economy, whether it's childcare or um, care being provided to people, NDIS participants, or people receiving aged care, um, it is struggling to attract uh, the full complement of staff that are required. And that difficulty is slightly greater the further away you get from the metropolitan area. Um, when we have very low unemployment levels, people are making choices about where they will uh, pursue their career. Uh, and some of them aren't choosing the, the care, uh, you know, a, a, a care job. But many of them are, and increasing numbers of them are. So some of the gaps which were very evident during the Royal Commission are progressively being filled, but it's not something that can be addressed overnight. The government has been really focusing hard on making the work more attractive. There's been a wage case, a very successful wage case, which has increased the pay available to a very, very large number of proportion of aged care workers. Um, they're also looking at drawing people in from other countries to make a career, make, make a home in Australia and deliver aged care. All of these initiatives are underway um, and, and they're finding their feet, but it will take some time to build the extent of the workforce that's actually required in, in this part of um, uh, the care economy. Just lastly, the federal government announced today it would be extending the public consultation period on this uh, draft to the new Aged Care Act. Are you happy with what you've seen in the draft bill so far? Uh, this, this revised draft is really doubling down on the rights of consumers. And that has been widely celebrated in all the consultations that have occurred so far. Uh, people who are either receiving aged care or family and friends of those individuals or people who are anticipating being an aged care consumer sometime in the future are very, very pleased to see the very strong focus on individual rights and how they can be expressed in the provisions of the Act to ensure that not just their needs are met, but also their preferences, their um, their individual desires for how they best want to be supported uh, as they age uh, and uh, approach end of life. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. Uh, Janet Anderson is the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commissioner. Good afternoon to you. My pleasure. Thank you. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.